Formosa Files is sponsored by the Frank C. Chen Cultural Foundation. Frank Chen, Chen Qi Tuan, served as the mayor of Kaohsiung City from 1960 to 1968 and founded the Kaohsiung Medical College. The Frank Chen Cultural Foundation is committed to his legacy by expanding cultural education and knowledge that brings meaningful improvements to the city and residents of Kaohsiung, the home of the Chen family for over three centuries. Formosa Files so, welcome. Welcome to Formosa Files. I'm Eric Michael Smith. I'm John Ross. We thought today we would just jump right into one of the more fascinating stories that I've uh, stumbled across uh, via John here. And uh, it has to do with a dude mm -hmm. who shows up in the courts of Europe 300 some years ago. Yes. Uh, so he arrived in London in uh, 1703, claiming he was from F Formosa. Okay. So, uh, and this guy's, he, he's, he's white. He's whiter than the average whitey. Uh, he's blonde. Blonde. Uh, blonde and white. Okay. Yes. Some people writing about him just add on the blonde and blue-eyed. I don't know that he was blue-eyed, but definitely blonde and white. Fair skin, even, you know, amongst his fellow Europeans. So, yes. So, he, he claims to be from the island of Formosa. That's right. Okay. The first thing that comes to my mind here is, this is, you said, 1700-something? 1703. Um, but Europeans had had contact at this point with Africans yes. for many hundreds of years with uh, people from the Arabian area, uh, with, with Asians, with uh, Japanese, Chinese. How, how would they possibly have even for, for even a, a half a second have, have entertained the idea that this dude was a Formosan? Okay. So the first thing obviously was his white appearance. Uh, at the time they didn't know about genetics. Okay. So you could come up with an environmental explanation as he did. He said people lived mostly underground and they were uh, went above ground surrounded by uh, trees. So they kept out of the sun. Well, I mean we do keep out of the sun here, but uh, yeah, not quite to that extent. Okay, so he's 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 arrived in you said London. Yes. And he's claiming to be a Formosan. What other evidence does he uh present to prove that he's Formosan? Well, he has a Formosan language, which he's uh, invented. Uh, he's uh, written a little Bible with all his uh, symbols, and he has a lot of information about uh, Formosa. Okay, so we got ahead of ourselves a little bit here. This guy's name was... Salmanazar. George Salmanazar. Salmanazar. And when I hear that name, I instantly think of the Bible because I grew up uh, as the son of missionary parents. And there's the, the famous Nebuchadnezzar. And okay. was there there's, there's another biblical connection to this? Yes, he took the name from the Bible. Uh, An Assyrian king, uh, I think it's... Shemanazar, Shemanazar. Close yeah. enough. Close yeah. enough, yeah. <laughs> so, he, so he changed that. Was it his real name? No, we don't know his real name. He wrote a, a memoir. Uh, which was published after his death. So he died in 1763 and his memoir was published, but it's, it's frustrating. He doesn't give his name and people have tried to trace, trace him, track him down. No, they don't know. Pretty sure he came from Southern France, which he, which he said he did, um, because French speakers spoke to him and he was, he was French, though they couldn't 
picked the regional accent. He was an absolute chameleon for languages. He was brilliant. I mean, that's what got him into trouble uh, early on. So, so why was he claiming to be Formosan? Oh, well, it's a long story. Uh, you have this brilliant young kid in southern France, and he went to school. He's taught by uh, Dominicans, and then he went to Jesuit school. Didn't like it. He was brilliant at learning Latin and uh, Greek, but he dropped out, and he took to the road, and he pretended to be a pilgrim on his way to Rome. Okay, so this was very popular back at that time. You would go to yes. Rome and uh, uh, visit the various holy sites and whatever, and along the way, you would beg for alms or for donations. Yes. So it didn't work out well, just being a Frenchman in France begging. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, he switched to uh, Irish, pretend, pretended to be from Ireland. Uh, I guess that's a little further away, so it's a yes. little more needy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's he's got he's gone all the way from Ireland, uh, and he's in France and needs help. That didn't work out that well. These are very very difficult times in uh, in France and all of Europe actually. This is peak Little Ice Age. It's about sixteen. 90s, yeah, 1690s, that's the peak of the Little Ice Age. There's famine, you know, you've got more than a million people dying in the area from lack of food. So you have to be good to be getting donations. I see. So he had to up his game, and he uh, he changed from an Irish pilgrim to a Japanese one. Okay, and this is without makeup, this is without any sort of prosthetics or anything, he just claimed to be Japanese. That's right, so he uh, comes up with with his language, which will later be Formosan, but at the time he's he's passing it off as Japanese. So when you say language, you're talking about both a spoken and a written form of some sort of a language. Yes, he, he wrote down some symbols, uh, which he said was a language, and he's also uh, saying things aloud, praying out loud. So mumble jumble. Exactly, yes. <laughs> okay, so the Japanese angle isn't working out so well for him. He's not making quite as much money as he would like, so he swaps over to being a Formosan. Well, no, actually, uh, he gets a few jobs along the way. Uh, he's a, a waiter in a coffee house. He uh, joins a, two different armies. Uh, he travels around Europe a lot. His father had left the, the home when George Salmanazar was just about five. And um, one of his trips is to see his dad, see if he can get some money from him. So he's traveling around Europe, sometimes working, sometimes begging. Now, the change from a Japanese to uh, Formosan was actually not his idea. His hoax as a Japanese pilgrim got uh, busted by a, a chaplain of an English uh, regiment in Holland, a chap called Alexander Innes. He realized it was nonsense, and he, he tricked Salmanazar. He got him to write down something, and then, oh, I've lost it. Can you write it down again? And then let's compare the two. Ah, okay. So this is, that's, that's brilliant. So, yes. Yeah. So you, you claim to be this, write something for me. Oh, darn, I lost it. Could you write yes. it again? And of course, they don't match. So busted. Yes. Now, rather than expose him as a fraud, this Innes chap wanted to take it up a notch. He said, okay. Japan's a little bit too well known. Make it Formosa, publicly baptize you, make a big show of it, and we'll take you over to uh, London. Oh, so we we have to remember the religious element and the religious uh, strife of the times, the uh, the Catholic versus Protestant issue that was going on. Yes. So he can he claimed to be a former Catholic that had converted over to the true faith of Protestantism. Well, he, he claimed to be from Formosa that he was abducted by Jesuit priests. Wow. And then, even though they threatened him with the tortures of the Inquisition, he uh, refused and uh, escaped. So they abducted him in Formosa? Yes. 
Wow. And then he, he escapes and meets up, meets up with this Anglican chaplain and realizes that the Church of uh, England has the, the true word. <laughs> and uh, Very creative. Con- converts. Um, so that was his entry into London. He had this uh, Anglican chaplain uh, introduce him to pe- introducing him to people. And so Manazar's main angle was the evils of uh, Catholicism and the, and the beauty of uh, Anglicanism. Which fit perfectly at that time for the situation in London. Absolutely. Uh, it was only a few decades ago that uh, there'd been a lot of strife and they'd uh, actually had a coup uh, replacing the uh, Catholic uh, king with the uh, Protestant one. Okay, but I still have to go back to that first question that I have of like, you, you've seen Africans, you've seen Asian people, you know about Japan, you know about China. These Europeans have some knowledge of the rest of the world. And yet he was able to get some people to buy his story. Yes, uh, it's uh, it's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> but that kind of speaks to, if you want to look at like the, the, the larger narrative arc, it kind of speaks to how much was known about Formosa or how little was known about Formosa right about that time. We're talking, what, 300 years ago here? Yeah. So he gets to London and he keeps up with his charade of being a Formosan. He tells stories about um, uh, what it's like to be a Formosan, what the customs are. He describes what he even he gives a whole like a list of 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 the cities and other stuff yes so it all happened very quickly uh he turns up uh and he's quite a celebrity uh after a couple of months he's uh, he's showing people samples of Formosan writing <laughs> so well received that let's put out a book so he puts this out in very short time so 1704 publishes a description of Formosa and he describes this uh, wonderful place, gold and silver everywhere, sort of civilized. People follow the laws, quite strict. And but, but live underground to stay away from the sun. Yes. <laughs> Eat uh, snakes for breakfast. Mm. Sacrifice children and interesting modes of transport. Uh, they had sedan chairs carried by teams of elephants and camels and what have you. So it seems like he's really picking and choosing a little bit like like he, he's he's grabbing a little bit of what he's heard about Japan, a little bit of India, a little bit of China. And then ju- the only twist is that they happen to also be uh, Caucasian. <laughs> yes, yes. The pictures uh, which accompany this 1704 book, uh, yeah, they look like Caucasians. Uh, crazy, crazy. Uh, though if you compare it with some actual real pictures from the time, there was also a tendency to draw people as Europeans. So he describes the government of the supposed Formosa. He describes the names of cities, which are yes. names like... Bigno, <laughs> Zernesta. I, ca- I can't remember the capital city. Uh, Just total fabrications that... Do not sound anyway like uh, Chinese. Or, right. Or Aboriginal. You know. Right. So you, you mentioned what was known at the time. It's interesting because just before his book came out, he's working on it. There was a translation done of a Dutch missionary to Taiwan. He'd been out here with the, the Dutch who were in the uh, Tainan area from the 1620s to the early 1660s. This would be the first Dutch missionary to Taiwan, the famous one. Candidius, yeah. Okay. Uh, George Candidius? Yeah. All right. So for people who may not be aware, he um, he really did come to Taiwan. Yes. And he really did convert some locals and uh, uh, they la- named a lake after him and he became relatively well known in, in Europe afterwards. Yes. 
So the translation of his account of Formosa came out just before uh, just before Salmanazar's book. Like literally. Yes. Yes. Just before. Just before. Just uh, could be a matter of weeks. So <laughs> you, you you would have been able to have side by side two books on Formosa. Yeah. And one of them is this total hogwash bit from Salmanazar. And the other one is from a Dutch missionary who actually has been to Taiwan or Formosa at the time. And how long had he stayed on the island? Uh, he had two visits, probably a decade if you put it together. A decade. <laughs> a decade versus nonsense. Okay. Yes. So how, what do you do when you're writing a fraud and then something comes out? Yeah. What do you do? He ignored it, but in the preface, he called him out and just said, you know, it's rubbish. He uh, challenged the missionary. He challenged, challenged the missionary. <laughs> and, Ballsy guy. Yes. He made fun of the lack of hierarchy. Uh, Candidius uh, presented a very egalitarian society with not many rules. But so that he would have been mainly in contact with one Aboriginal group. Saraya. Okay. So he was describing what he understood to be the customs of the Saraya. Yeah. Yes. He spoke some of the language. No. So Salmanazar calls him out on that. He says, for example, Candidius says, there are no laws for adultery. Then he goes into and, you know, this and that. And uh, supporters of Salmanazar would pick up on a point, which still today is a difficult one. Um, Candidius said that the uh, men lived apart from the women. So okay. this is the, the Formosan men live yeah. apart from their women. Yes. Okay. Okay, which is not bad. <laughs> it's, okay, you're looking at it as not bad. I'm seeing it as a little lonely, but um. okay. <laughs> but the strange thing is that the women were not permitted to give birth uh, until they were in their late thirties. So this is the account from the Dutch missionary: no babies until your late thirties. Forced abortions. Uh, for pregnant women. Okay. So that's a very salacious claim and also illogical. Yes. So what do we make of that? Well, we we haven't got a, a, an answer to it. Mm. People have suggested that it was uh, just a temporary measure. Couldn't Surely couldn't be something that you could sustain for right. a long time. Yeah. There's no... No group that we know of in the world that would practice no babies before 30 because it's just the opposite of what you want. The standard answer is that for some reason there was a very strong superstition that it was bad luck for men to go hunting while women were pregnant. Bad luck for men to be engaged in warfare when women were pregnant. It, and they it were in warfare a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when once men had finished with their uh, fighting and uh, headhunting activities, when they were ready to retire, so to speak, they uh, they could uh, procreate. But we we Candidius' account does give a couple of uh, very truthful uh, facts about Aboriginal life then and to a degree now as well. Yes, he um, talked about the fondness uh, fondness for uh, brewing their own version of uh, alcohol. Yes, rice wine, mm -hmm. and about certain religious practices, mm -hmm. uh, how they prayed, and uh, I guess there was some nudity involved in their prayer. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a wonderful account of uh, priestesses climbing up onto the top of the temple uh, and uh, stripping off. And uh, <laughs> so I don't know if that still occurs, <laughs> but uh, there's certainly still the brewing of uh, the rice uh, mijo that is still. Yeah. And Salmanazar failed to mention any of those things. Yes, he um, he had them smoking uh, pounds and pounds of uh, tobacco, but not uh, not too keen on the uh, the drink. Hmm. Now, the uh, 
The tobacco, of course, is uh, is an interesting one. That's that's from the the New World. Right, right. So he's picking that up from the uh, the uh, quote unquote Indians that Columbus <laughs> uh, quote unquote discovered. Right. Mm. Okay. So Salmanazar. Here we have uh, an actual account of a guy who has been there. And he's still challenging it. And he's saying things like, um, oh, you were on one part of the island. I was on another part. Or I was over here. You were over there. Yes. He's saying that the, the Dutch were in some very far-flung remote area. It's, so it'd be like describing England if you went to the uh, Hebrides up in the Scottish islands. Yes. But not everyone is buying Salmanazar's lines. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so he... He goes before the uh, Royal Society, collection of the greatest scientists of the time, including Isaac Newton. Who, who, who was writing like famous books at this time. Yes, he actually put out a book, uh, Optica, on the physics of light, uh, the very same year that uh, Salmanazar put his book out. And he's, he's the genius of his time and um, of all time, really. So he, we don't know for sure, but Isaac Newton could have uh, been in the same room as this Salmanazar character. Yes, he's likely up uh, at the end of the table. <laughs> wow, just imagine, yeah. Yes. Although Isaac Newton uh, also enjoyed uh, uh, some pretty weird uh, tales himself. He thought he could turn base metals into gold, and he was also into uh, like the end of the world and all of that based on the Bible. Hugely so, yes. Uh, later on, all these manuscripts came out. Uh, he was into alchemy um, and end-of-day stuff. But we know for sure that there were two well-known people who were at this guy's trial, so to speak. Yes, there was uh, Edmund Haley. Oh, of Haley's Comet. That's right. And he tried to uh, catch out Salmanazar with uh, different questions about the sun and what have you. He's, tr he's asking about when the sun is at its highest, you can, s you can see it shining on your – under the chimney, you've got your, your stove, your boiling things. Right? Okay, high noon. Yeah, and that's to that's to show that it's you know sort of subtropics. You're, you're it's not coming from an angle, right? Okay, 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 gotcha. Mm -hmm. so he's trying to figure out the angle is correct for the the time and place. That you, uh, Salmanazar's answer is that they have crooked chimneys. <laughs> so he's not he's not giving uh, giving anything away. He's yeah early twenties. So you mean Salmanazar is in his early twenties? He's in his early twenties. That's he, really young to be fomenting this this amount of uh, forgery. <laughs> it's well done. Yes, he uh, he's probably twenty twenty one when he turned up. Uh, in his memoir, he he says he added three years to his age on uh, uh, Alexander Innes's suggestion. Just would sound a bit better, but yeah, I mean he's very young, so you have to admire the uh, courage. So he made it through an inquiry with these noted scientists of their day or wise men of their day, and he came out unscathed? Well, yes. Well, we, we haven't mentioned there was a, uh, a Jesuit uh, father, Father Fontenay. Uh, Fontenay. Fontenay. Uh -huh. Fontenay. Now, he'd actually been in China, <laughs> uh, and he, he'd met fellow Jesuits who had been to uh, – fellow Catholics that had been to uh, Formosa, Dominicans as well. Um and again, Salmanazar's explanation would have just been, oh, that was a different spot. Uh, yes. I was down here. They were up there. Yeah. Um, so Salmanazar didn't break. So he didn't really win people over, but he didn't lose his supporters. Uh. But things gradually unravel. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty audacious thing to keep going for any decent period of time. 
especially when you have his book uh, translated into uh, European languages, and then you know um, there's more pushback. Also, uh, when Innes he left, he for uh, his uh, his reward for uh, converting and bringing Salmanazar over was a nice posting, and uh, uh, which was overseas, and uh, yeah. Salmanazar seems to lose it. He to make up for the uh, decline in people believing, uh, to make up for um, declining sales, so to speak. He's um, going down market. He's putting on a good show. He's increasing his uh, intake of raw meat. <laughs> oh, okay. So he's he's upping the story to include that the Taiwanese or the uh, Formosan people eat raw meat, or he eats raw meat. Yes, both. Uh, both. <laughs> okay. Well, but you know, yeah. Uh, so we have to think that uh, in those days, uh, stories were mostly oral. Right. So the book is one thing. But if you can put on a good show mm. and uh, be a good storyteller, that's even more important, isn't it? Yeah. And he was obviously entertaining. He uh, was a complete opium fiend. Oh, that must have given him a certain inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, he's drinking a lot as well, smoking enormous amounts of tobacco. So we're talking here, um, if we, if we like, you know, pull back and look at the, the broader historical uh, view of this, we're kind of talking about how Taiwan or Formosa was first discovered by the outside world. Or how people from uh, places that kept records, because we have to remember that, you know, uh, Aboriginal history in Taiwan, of course, goes back, you know, tens of thousands of years, but they didn't write it down. So we don't have a lot of records of that. But this is really the how how did the the West um, come to meet Formosa, essentially? So you had the Dutch uh, in Formosa and uh, you've got other people. You've even got Englishmen. From uh, 1670 to uh, 1683, perhaps, you know, um, a good dozen years, there was an English factory, a trading post in Tainan. Took over when the Dutch got kicked out by... Uh, Most people don't think of the English having been here, except for like the, later on yes, when you have the yes. Kaohsiung, you know, um, the Takao uh, consulate, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it was quite small, but... Uh, 12 years, uh, unsuccessful. They, were want they wanted to trade mostly with uh, Japan. That didn't work out. Japan had expelled all the foreigners except for uh, Dutch. The, the very first Europeans on Taiwan, the very first Europeans, 1582, a Portuguese ship sailing from Macau, which is next to Hong Kong. Right. At that time, a trading post? That's right. The Chinese didn't like foreigners going to China, but to the Portuguese, they were grateful for helping them put down some piracy, and they let them have this small area. Isn't that? Did, did, didn't the Japanese also? They were okay with the Portuguese for a little while in Nagasaki. Yes, yes. The Portuguese seem to have gotten away with a bit more than other people. Yeah. Huh, interesting. <laughs> so the Portuguese are sailing up to Japan mm. through the Taiwan Strait. Through the Taiwan Strait. So there's uh, a ship every year from Macau up to Japan. And this one gets blown onto rocks, northwestern Taiwan. We don't know where exactly it was, but they spend two months stuck on Taiwan. So they were uh, these survivors were not treated to uh, what became quite common in, in, in later years, a, uh, a party coming down and uh, removing their heads. Aha. Uh -huh. 
Well, that that might have happened if they hadn't been so uh, able and well armed. Ah. So that they made it to the shores. Uh, their ship went down a little bit later. They salvaged some stuff. Okay. And this is a magnificent story. Uh, the shipbuilding skills. They p- built a smaller ship from the wreckage of the destroyed one. Oh, this is a movie-like story. Yeah. yeah. So there were three hundred men, and I think there were just about ten people lost. Yeah. From uh. Attacks by the Aborigines and drowning and what have you. So there's a remarkable effort. So they're there in the summer for two and a half months, uh, rebuilding the boat, trying to- Living off the land. Living off the land. They had some supplies. They had firearms, which was useful. Um, Yeah. So they made it back to Macau. Incredible, isn't it? So we have now- uh, gone through the story of 300 years ago, even though people had been to Taiwan, people had written about Taiwan, uh, there had been actual people who stayed as long as a decade or more on the island. We had this guy, this blonde dude claiming to be a Formosan. Um, in the end, how does it turn out for our dear friend Salmanazar? Okay. Uh, a life of, uh, poverty. <laughs> Because he was a a writer, he sort of a, a low rent writer. Uh, so he lived to he lived to a good old age, early eighties. Oh, okay. And he was uh, praised by uh, one of the great men of English letters, uh, Samuel Johnson. Spoke very very well of Salmanazar. They knew each other and would share a pint at the pub. Why does that name ring some sort of bell for me? Samuel Johnson uh, wrote the definitive English. Language dictionary. Okay, and before and, before Oxford did it, yeah. Be, any connection to not Gulliver's Travels, but some other famous book? Okay, so Jonathan Swift. That's, ah, that's okay, okay. Who actually uh, Jonathan Swift of Gulliver Travels? He he wrote a uh, a short story, well, a satire on uh, based on uh, Salmanazar's cannibalism stories. Oh, so you're saying that the the, the famous one where he writes about uh, how the Irish should feed their children to the rich that 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 yes that was based on this crazy guy claiming to be a, a Formosan. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, wonderful uh, little connections with the Salmanazar story. I mean. The printing house where his book was printed, um, is it called The Black Swan, I think? The Black Swan, yeah. Formerly a pub, no doubt. Uh, print at the back, bookstore at the front. Candidius's book was published there, the same bloody place. Next door, also a printing house. This was a street of uh, bookstores and printers. Next door was Robinson Crusoe, The Adventures of Robinson Crusoe, the story of a, a man cast away on an island that was that was a literary sensation that was the biggest the biggest book of the of the century and one of the biggest ever so uh let me see so okay uh alexander innes in many ways the mastermind of uh, taking uh, taking uh, george to a higher level fraud he he was disgraced now he wasn't just plagiarizing sections off a book he basically stole a book and presented it as his own a book called a modest inquiry after Moral virtue. <laughs> so he plagiarized a book about virtue. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. This would qualify as irony, I think. Yes. Yeah, so mm. uh, plus a few indiscretions at his parish, and then he was uh, yeah, lost his job. And some manager ended up. He ended up confessing that he was lying. Right. Yes, but it never never gave his real name. But. Yes, confess. Okay, well, I think uh, that's a that's a, a good place for us to break off. And uh, as a little teaser for uh, episode two, 
we're going to begin discussing the powers that uh, begin trying to subjugate Taiwan. And uh, you might be surprised to hear that uh, one of them is, is not actually going to be a Western power. It's going to be something a little bit closer. And, uh, oh, most people have heard of samurais. Mm -hmm. But picture this. Samurais with crucifixes, armor with crosses all over it. These were Christian samurais. And uh, they're going to feature in episode two. Excellent. So, yeah. So anyway, we got to let this go, folks. Thank you for joining us on this first one. You are welcome to uh, send us uh, questions or complaints or suggestions to uh, formosafiles at gmail.com. If it's hate mail, please direct it to John. So, um, yeah, we hope you'll join us again. Okay. Signing off. Time for a drink or uh, uh, as the Soraya people uh, used to do, worshipping the jar. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it right there. See you next time. <laughs>